0: And good morning. I am still David Mitchell, and uh, we are glad to be worshiping with you. And you have an outline that's available for you. We try to provide these tools to help you to follow along. Sometimes our minds drift, and uh, this will help. Oh, that's where he is. Okay, I want to catch up. But uh, also something to take in hand. I want to show that one of the things we love to do here at Calvary Church is to make sure that what we say, and especially as we talk about areas of finances and generosity, that's an area that I know that a lot of us, oh, we feel a little protective there. We get a little squeamish on and we don't want to intrude and we feel that's a, sort of an area of privacy zone, the cone of silence for us. Uh, we want to show you that everything we say here up front, whether I or someone else is speaking, it's coming from God's Word. This is what God teaches us and so much in Scripture is all of uh, the finances and the stewardship of our lives. The last couple of weeks we have seen how, first of all, God is a generous God. He has given to us all things that we are to enjoy. He is never going to cheat us out of anything that He doesn't want us to have. So He is a generous God. And last Sunday we saw how God wants to protect that because there are those things that are going to be hindrances. He wants us to be generous, to be generous and ready to share. And sometimes that means getting things in order so that I am ready to share. And that God is a God who loves us so much. You might recall how I used our two dogs that we now have. One we have fully adopted into our family. The other is in sort of in a foster category right now. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> we feed them regularly. They never worry about where their next meal is going to come from. And what I love was I look at those two little dogs of ours because they never worry. They have great faith and joy in me. They have great faith and joy in me. And I think to myself, as silly as this may sound, oh Lord, let me have the faith that my dogs have in me as I put my faith in God, right? Because they trust me to care for them. And I want to know that my God loves me more than I love those two dogs that sometimes can be a real pain 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me invite you to get into the text this morning. Paul the Apostle is writing to the, to the Corinthians, and he says this, and if you have a Bible, I encourage you to have it in hand. Look at the Bible on that chair, chair rack in front of you. Look it up on your phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever suits you best. Paul the Apostle writes, for it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints." For I know your readiness of which I boast about you in the Macedo- to the Macedonians, namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may be made empty in this case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence." So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be made ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Now I say this, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And each one must ju- do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, having, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Let's break that down. What is God teaching us in this passage He wants us to overcome any sense of shame. You know, so Paul is speaking to this group of believers here in the area of Corinth, Greece. He says, I don't want you to be a shame-based Christian. I don't want you to operate out of guilt and embarrassment and fear. One of the things that sometimes we struggle with is if I give X amount of dollars to a ministry, Calvary Church, Biola University, whatever it may happen to be for you and us… I fear that if I give too much here now, I won't have enough for there and those bills and those obligations. And so I want to back off on my giving so that I make sure I have enough for everything else and maybe something breaks in the car and I want to make sure I have enough money there. So we live out of this fear that I won't have enough so I, I really hold back on God and he says, I don't want you to live that way. I don't want you to live out of fear. I want you to to live out of faith. How do we do that? How do we begin to erase that fear? First of all, we need to be intentional that our ministry funds goes to support God's people, God's work. That's where my money should go. The Apostle Paul is teaching very clearly that in a thoughtful preparation, it goes to the believers. We have lots of opportunities coming our way. There are very significantly important ministries and nonprofit organizations out there that are worthy of our funds. And uh, the Red Cross, Wounded Warrior, Goodwill, Salvation Army, these are, for the most part, very fine areas in which we can donate our money. But if every, of God's, every one of God's children just gives to those... Those that give to those that are not believers won't give to God's children. So for me and for us, Scripture teaches that priority is God's people. He says to them in verse 1, It is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. It's to God's saints. And then he says in verse 2, or I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year. Since we don't throw around those terms too, too much, although we have the Spradleys in Macedonia, as it's now referred to today, here's a little map. Co- Corinth is down there in Greece, Athens off to the right-hand side there, and then above it is Achaia, then above it is Macedonia. That's the territory God is, uh, Paul is talking about. And what Paul is referring to is that there is a, there is a shortage of food. There is uh, this famine that is going on. So he's challenging the saints to step up and give so that they can supply what is needed. And the Macedonians jump way out in front and says, we're ready. We're going to give. And we'll talk more about that next week. Corinth says, yeah, we want to give too. And Paul says, well, I'm coming. I want to collect your offering but I I don't want to put you to shame because you weren't ready. And so they want to gather these funds up so God's people can be cared for because when a Jewish person converts to Christ, they lose that Judaistic sort of welfare system of the time. And so believers are dependent upon other believers to have their needs being met. So Paul is gathering together an offering for that. So it needs to be in a thoughtful preparation in order for me to get rid of all fear and all shame. I thoughtfully prepare for this. And the word readiness—I love that word. He says, of "Which I, uh, for I know your readiness, your readiness." The word readiness, breaking it down again for us who love the languages. Pro means forward, and thumos is mind—a mind that is forward thinking. You and I are good stewards of all that we have when my mind is forward thinking. I'm thinking, how can I help here? How can I help there? I'll give you some illustrations of that as we go along. It's a means of encouraging others. He says to in verse 2 that your zeal has stirred up most of them. The zeal of the Corinthians had stirred up the desire and the zeal of the Macedonians. There's something that happens in this dynamic when people give. Good story that I heard about this is a fellow by the name of Robert Morris. Robert Morris became a believer a little bit later in his sort of his early adult years, and as soon as he became a believer, he became very excited about living for the Lord and being a witness for Him. And often the new believers are the most zealous when it comes to evangelism, which is a great thing. And he's thinking, one of the things that I think that I can do is when I go to this regular uh, restaurant, there is a waitress there that I want to witness to, and I prayed that God would give me an opportunity. So he and his wife went there, and they were thinking, you know, if we order less food, we can leave a bigger tip. So when the waitress came, he let her know how much God cares for her and loves her, and so we're just going to order, I think it was just some drinks, just a coffee and that sort of thing. And then when the bill came, he left her a very sizable tip even though their meal, is, the tip was probably like 10 times the cost of the, the drinks that they had, and then left her a track, like the tracks that we have right there in the chair rack in front of you. You could do this too. And then a month later, they went back to that same restaurant, and they wanted the same table with the same waitress, and there she was. And so as they sat down at the table, the waitress came up to her, up to them, and says, I want to, number one, thank you for that very generous tip you gave to me, I was just blown away. I'd never get a tip like that. But also I want to let you know that thank you for the track that you left me. I went home and read that. And it talked about, like our track does, how to receive Christ as a Savior. I prayed that prayer. I believed in Jesus Christ. And then I called up my husband. I told my husband about this. And he prayed to receive Jesus Christ. And Robert says, well. You called your husband. Is he a traveling salesman? What? My husband is in prison. So I had to call him up in the prison, and they arranged for a phone call to be made. I shared with him the track you left me. And in prison, he prayed to receive Christ as well. And then Robert says, advance forward a few years, and this couple, finally he gets out of prison, and they go to the church that Robert Morris goes to. And they said, my wife and I had the privilege to witness to them and disciple them and see them get baptized as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, where did it all start? It started out of a heart of generosity. She said, we have been impoverished because my husband is in prison and we don't have nearly enough to get by. So the second tip that he left, he spent about $10 on his drinks and left a $50 tip the second time. Just we are blown away by your generosity. And that has brought us to know Jesus as Savior. When my zeal to give, it stirs up others as well. It is a tool by which God encourages other people. And when I just have a mind and a heart that is forward thinking, a mind that is forward thinking, how can I do this that it impacts for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then you eliminate any shame or fear as Paul says in for, verse 4, If any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. I don't want to put you to shame. I don't want you to have fear. I don't want you to feel as though you're smaller than the rest. I want you to be part of this. I want you to engage with us. Because I don't want any believers walking around in a shame-based faith. I want it to come out of the heart that says, I am enjoying what God is doing. So... We are this forward-thinking people that are prepared to give. And then secondly, we begin to develop spiritually healthy habits in giving to God's work. How do I eliminate fear? How do I eliminate shame? I have healthy habits of giving. And this is what he says in verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand. I learn healthy habits from others. He sent a team to Corinth. He says, look, you started out strong, but you're fading. So let me send a team of disciplers, and they're going to train you on how to do this. That's why in the bulletin for the last two weeks, and today as well, we have opportunities to learn. That's why we're providing this trust. Seminar next Saturday morning. These are opportunities to learn. These are critical areas that strike to the very core of what we say we're all about when we give an allegiance to Christ as our Savior and Lord. So we learn from others to go on ahead so we can arrange beforehand. We don't want this last minute thing that is taking place here. We want to arrange beforehand, as he says here in verse 5, your previously promised bountiful gift. We want you to give abundantly but bountifully. The word bountiful, again, another Greek language uh, lesson, it is eulogia. We get the English word eulogy from it. Paul says I want you to giving to be a eulogy to God. And what's a eulogy? It's eu meaning good and logia meaning words, good words. I want your gifts to be good words to God. I want them to exalt the name of God. I don't want them to be shame based from your heart. I want them to be blessings to God. These are things that you have previously promised to give. We want it to be a regular healthy habit. As First Corinthians sixteen two says, on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. I don't want to get there and have a big emotional pity party where I guilt you into giving. I don't want that. I don't want you wait until the offering bucket is passed and we get in front of you and we sort of blast you for not giving enough. I don't want that. I don't want the shame-based giving. I want to plan ahead. That's why it is unhealthy when you see the offering basket coming to pull out the wallet and thumb through the bills and I've got a 20... I've got a 10, I've got a 5, I've got a 1, and think, oh, I need to fill up with gas this afternoon. I need to wash the car later today. We're going out to lunch at Taco Bell, so that's the 1. And so we begin to calculate these things, and we sort of evaluate. So based upon everything else that I think I'm going to do, I just pull out the bill that I think it fits for now. We don't want you to do that. That's not honoring to the Lord, to somehow fumble through and find the one bill that maybe will work for today. That's not healthy giving. That's not a healthy habit. A healthy habit is where you prepare beforehand. For Joy and me, we prepare beforehand. We knew how much we gave last year. We know how much we want to give this year. We want to exceed that. And so it's sort of like paying the gas bill, electricity bill, only it's richer and more powerful because I want them to say good things about God I don't want to say good things about Edison <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to say good things about Orange County taxes that are coming up in April but I do want to say good things about God and so I plan we arrange beforehand and we set aside and save it may be weekly it may be monthly for some of you it's quarterly for some of you it's biannually Whatever works in your system, but make it a healthy, regular habit, not a happen chance, or if I happen to be there, I'll fumble through my wallet. That is not a healthy habit. Please don't give that way. Just keep it. Just keep it. And then when God puts it on your heart to have a previously arranged, bountiful gift that says good things about God, then you're ready. Because one of the things that happens when I don't have a healthy habit I begin to have an attitude problem. I don't want us to pass the offering baskets at Calvary Church or make solicitations about funds for the generation restoration project. And it comes out of unhealthy habits because unhealthy habits breed bad attitudes. Notice what Paul says in verse 5, not affected by covetousness, covetousness. Again language warning. Covetousness is made up of two Greek words, plēon, which means more, echo, which means to have. A covetous heart says, I want to have more. And the more Dave asks for my money in the offering, the more he asks, the more resentful I become. Because I'm fumbling through my wallet and trying to figure out what I should give today. And it becomes this thing, but I want to have more, and I resent that he's asking me for some. This is not the way I want to play this game. And we don't want people to be affected by covetousness. We don't want bad attitudes. So we arrange beforehand a healthy habit of giving so that it is a regular practice, not driven by how I feel any given day, not driven by the circumstances of my life any given week, but it is a healthy habit, and I overcome bad attitudes of giving. And if you have a bad attitude about giving here, keep your money. God knows what we need. I trust God like my dogs trust me. Only I hope better. Let me show you a little video that happens sometimes when sort of random giving takes place. you need this money? It doesn't look like you need this. I don't need it, but it's free. I wouldn't take it. Oh, okay. Thanks. Hey,
1: hey. is it
0: really clean? Yeah, if you need it. You have a Louis Vuitton bag. You really need this? Yeah. I have a nail appointment tomorrow.
1: So where were we at? Yeah. Yep. What's happening? How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing, how are you? Uh, Pretty good. What's... Good, good. This?
0: Take whatever you want.
1: I'll just grab... Two, only here, but that oh, that's okay.
0: and then There you go. Is that is that all you need? Yeah,
1: that's it. I just need two. I'm just trying to get some food and just give whatever you got to give to
0: other people. You don't want to take any food any for more for tomorrow or anything, or the next day? No, I'll be good,
1: dude. Just give it to other
0: people. Okay, I appreciate Thank that.
1: Thank you very much. Man.
0: I appreciate that. That's a... You're Thank an amazing guy. I want to make sure that you eat. No. Um, I want to no, know. I'm not, I'm not going to let you not eat tomorrow or the next day. That's an amazing thing, that what you just did. I just want to give you, here's like $60 or whatever. and You should be able to get food for your dog and for whoever you need yes. during the whole week. See you later. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. Something intriguing, two storylines that strike me about that video. I wanted to show it. It's Number one, these people that look like they don't really need anything financially, there's a covetousness, there's a desire to have more. I'm getting my nails done tomorrow. She didn't need that money for her nails. When she made that appointment, she had the money, right? And she's got a bag that costs what are those Louis Vuitton? What do they call? I don't even. Really, like a thousand dollars or something like that. Just sell it. Just sell it. It's covetousness that it comes when you think you can have more. And then, secondly, that's not a good pattern of giving. Now, he makes it as an illustration. But I don't want random giving like that. I want prearranged, thoughtful, healthy habits of giving. So it's not driven by the impulse of this need or that need, but it's driven by wanting to say good things about God. And I say good things about God when I manage well all that He has entrusted to me. That's not random. It doesn't mean you don't give randomly to people who have needs but it means I already have a base of operation of how much I give. And if I want to give randomly above and beyond that, God bless you. But we already have a foundation, a platform out of which we give. Because I don't want to be affected by covetousness. I don't want to create covetousness in the person that is receiving the random gift nor in my own heart what I want to hold back. And healthy habits are a struggle. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. The word grudgingly there, it's a Greek term that is used for the grief of a lost loved one. It is talking about pain of grief. He says, I don't want you to have pain. I don't want you to grieve when you give. I don't want you to put an offering in the basket and then grieve that loss. If you grieve when you give, keep it and enjoy it. Do whatever you want with it. Until God speaks into your heart a healthy habit of giving. We don't want people to give out of grief. We don't want people to give out of covetousness. We don't want people to give out of shame. We want people to give out of healthy habits that are bountiful, that is eulogies to God, that say good things about God. That are prearranged patterns and habits that are healthy. But it's purposed in your heart. So we are private about what we give here. Let me take you back. I referenced this a long time ago, but never showed you a picture, I don't believe. We used to live in Lodi. Have I ever mentioned that before here? Okay, I got you. Well, in Lodi, way back, as you can see on the screen, 1939, that was the directory of the church. In 1939, the church where I came from, First Baptist Church, it used to be called German Baptist Church. And so this is their directory that they have created. Pastor Felberg was the pastor there at that time in 1939. And I want to show you what the directory says about the membership of the church. Here is one of the pages from that directory. It shows the name. It shows the address. And then it shows a column of how much they gave to the general fund and how much they gave to the missions fund. Wouldn't that be exciting for us to have a directory like that? Let's take a vote right now. How many think we should do that? Uh, two of us. All right. Yeah. So we know how to track them down if they gave like somebody there on uh, on gave one dollar. One dollar. Now it's 1939. A $1, dollar. What today is like ten thousand dollars? I don't know. But one of the things I was blessed by as I looked through the list. I wanted to highlight Pastor Felberg's, uh, here's Pastor Felberg, 19 South Central. That's where our church was. So his home address, he lived in the church. (laughs) It's crazy. I don't know why. Anyway, that was our church address, 19 South Central. And Pastor Felberg gave $120.25 to the general fund. And then he gave $60.50 to the missions fund. And I looked up his salary because it was in the thing. And it's 10%. He's one of the largest donors to German Baptist Church, now called First Baptist Church. So he knew that was going to be in the directory. (laughs) So so I don't know. But no, he had a good heart. And uh, he gave that way. And I would like to think that we could do that here at Calvary. We're not going to do it. Okay, hold on. But I would like to think we could do that and there would be not one shame-based person here. Because we give to the Lord. But we purpose in our hearts so we do it privately. But I just want to show you what happens sometimes. And then we want to discover the joy of our faithful stewardship. It goes in this joyfulness of this. The joy of a bountiful return on your investment. Verse 6 is so positive from the Apostle. He says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so I see that my gifts are those things where there is a bountiful return, and the more that I give, the greater is my bounty of return. He says, this is a blessed way to live. To realize that what I'm giving is going towards a bountiful return. It is not something that goes into a pit and there is no return. There is a return. It's a bountiful return. And the more I participate, the more joyful my heart will be. I read a study this last week. That good deeds, the title of the study was this, by Stephen Post of Case Western Reserve University of of Medicine. That good deeds correlate with good health. And they did a study on uh, 30 years following 427 women and children who married and gave and volunteered their time. The bottom line is this. He said, Stephen Post wrote, this is extremely important. This is the care and connection part of the brain. It is a very different part of the brain than is active with romantic love. These brain studies show this profound state of joy and delight that comes from giving to others. It doesn't come from any dry action where the act is out of duty in the narrowest sense, like writing a check for a good cause. It comes from working to cultivate a generous quality, from interacting with people. There is a smile, the tone in the voice, the touch on the shoulder. We're talking about altruistic love. There is a greater joy in the brain segment that has joy in those who donate more and give more than those who don't. There's something that happens in the mind. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to sow bountifully so you can reap bountifully. I want there to be a joyful celebration of what God is doing because it connects me with people in ways that I otherwise would not connect. I want more of that. And it's the joy of abundant grace and sufficiency. He says, I want to supply all that you need. I love this verse. This is one of the great verses of the Bible on giving. And God is able to make... Notice how many times the word all or everyone is there. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency. And the word sufficiency there, if you remember last week on 1 Timothy 6, if you were with us, he talks about contentment. I want you to be content. That contentment, that Greek word for contentment is the word sufficiency. So I put contentment in there in the white. He says, I want you to have contentment in your giving. Because God is supplying all contentment in everything. You may have an abundance for every good deed. God says, I want to do that. I want to prove myself to you. Like Dave proves his love for his dogs. He gives them all they ever need plus snacks. And now they're overweight, but that's okay. They're dogs. So I give them an abundance. And they trust me and they have great joy when I get home because oh, I give them more snacks and more treats. And God says, can't you at least understand that I love you more than he loves them? And that I will make all grace abound to you. So you will have an abundance for every good deed. God says, would you trust me in that? It's a blessed way to live. I was reading this last week on this whole topic, and there's a lot of books written on it. There's a book called Generosity written by Chip Ingram. Chip Ingram was a pastor at Santa Cruz Bible Church way back in the Dones. It's the church that the Dones came from years ago. Chip talks about his first days as a pastor. He had a church of 35 people. And uh, there was a man in his church. His name was John Saville. It's John Saville. And John came up to him. He's just kind of a quirky guy, kind of a different guy. And And Chip was like in his 30s and John was in his 70s. So there's kind of an age and generational change there. So John is a a wealthy man. He invited him to come to Dallas. He was in the Texas area. So he went to Dallas and went to a high-rise, a very fancy restaurant where they had, as you said, their cloth, you know, had napkins on their arms, that kind of a restaurant. And John sat down with Chip and said, "Uh, I've got an idea for you. And Chip said, okay, what is that? Again, this big age difference. It felt kind of awkward to Chip. I would like to create a pastor's fund for you. So he pushed over his, a checkbook. And he says, I love people who have needs. You know people who have needs. I want to help people who have needs. So he wrote Chip a check for $5,000. I want you to put this in this special pastor's fund. And then as you see people who, has, who have needs... I want you to take from that fund and give to those people." And Chip said, oh, he was kind of blown away by that as he took that $5,000, went and created this new account in the bank, got in his car that has no air conditioning in the middle of summer of (laughs) Dallas, Texas, which is the worst kind of heat ever. As he drives back to his home, he's thinking, man, I have been given a trust, he thought to himself. And he says, over the course of the next numbers of weeks. He found that because he had this $5,000 sitting in this fund that's supposed to go to needy people, he found himself saying about John, I never much thought about John until he gave me these funds. And now I can't help but think about John and what John would have me to do and how I can help people that I otherwise could not help. And in the course of time, he gave away that $5,000, and then John said, Chip, it's time for lunch again. So they met in another fancy restaurant, and John wrote him another check for $5,000. He says, do it again. And Chip said that was the most awkward thing, and yet it was the most enriching thing. And as I think about that experience for Chip Ingram, who's doing great ministries even to this day, it puts me in the mind of, shouldn't we all feel that way? That when I get a paycheck, when I get a gift, it's like God gave it to me, like John gave it to Chip. And that the more I understand that that was from God, as Chip knew it was from John, I get closer to God. Because God has given me something that it's a trust, it's a stewardship to dispense according to his will. Whatever that account or amount May be. And that I see it as a trust to reach the needs of God's people. I pray that we have a heart like that, that understands that as John gave to Chip, all grace would abound to an abundance to every good deed. That whatever you and I have, it's for an abundance for every good deed. That I give out of that to supply what is needed for others. That is biblical stewardship. Where what I have is given to me by God, to be managed for God, to meet the needs of God's saints, so that they say good things about God. A eulogy to God. Bountiful gifts. A eulogy to God should be the result of my gifts. And then he says, for God loves a cheerful giver. We want cheerful givers. We don't want covetous givers. We don't want grudging givers. We don't want compulsed givers. We want cheerful givers. And I will put that word cheerful on there. The word cheerful is the Greek word hilaros. We get the English word hilarious. You probably have heard that before. I think I've said it before here. And you probably heard it from someone else. Hilarious givers. It ought to be something like this as you see the offering baskets being passed and it's working its way down the aisle and it's coming down your row and you see it coming this way and as soon as that comes to you and you've got whatever you're going to give in your hand and you drop it in dropping that in should be like hitting a grand slam in the world series what do they do when you hit a grand slam in the world series and you're the a home team big time cheers go out so when you get that offering you drop it in and here's what you should do yahoo That is hilarious. So there should be yelps all over this room. There should be standing ovations when we take the offering. Celebrating each other. Wow, look at you. Look at you. Look at you. so great. You know, we'll do it in a football game, in a baseball game, but a church, here comes the offering. We want hilarious givers who have prearranged their gifts to say good things about God that don't come from a heart that's covetous, don't come from a heart that feels like I'm losing a loved one by putting my offering in the basket. We don't want that. Who wants that? We don't want that. Keep it. Let it live in your wallet. It'll die a death somewhere else. But we want this cheerful giving because it produces thanksgiving to us, to God. We've been doing that here at Calvary Church, and I know I'm saying some of these things to many of you who say, I'm doing it already. I say, God bless you. Here's a video that shows what Calvary Church has accomplished in 2015. A snapshot of the various ministries. Because you gave, we serve the Lord and gave to those who have needs. Take a look at this video.
1: Every number in this year at Calvary is an opportunity to celebrate how God is moving as we do life together. The blessings that flow from the people of Calvary are like threads of generosity that stretch out to impact others here at Calvary, out in our community, and around the world. Last year, just over $4.3 million came into Calvary's General Fund for Church Ministry and $1.3 million for our REACH Fund, supporting local and global missions work. Let's take a look at how your generous giving adds up to be used in amazing ways for ministry purposes. Children and students are a big priority for us as a church family, with 21% going toward helping the next generation develop a vibrant life in Jesus. A real highlight is our annual VBS, which we are able to provide for free. This year, more than 1,000 kids and 500 courageous volunteers went on an epic week-long adventure together where 142 kids recommitted their life to Christ and 154 made first-time decisions for Jesus. In Calvary Town, we have over 500 kids each week served by 150 plus volunteers. We have especially seen our ministry to families who have kids with special needs grow recently. And in student ministries, there are countless stories of hundreds of young people learning from awesome leaders to live out their faith making a difference for God's kingdom. Moving up through the generations, Ministry for Worship and Adults accounted for 29% of our budget. An average of 1,600 adults gathered to worship each Sunday morning across three different services. More than 2,000 people came to remember Jesus' birth on Christmas Eve, and nearly 4,000 came to celebrate Easter at Calvary. But more than just attendance, lives are being changed. In 2015, 118 proclaim their faith through baptism and 88 new members are engaging in the life of calvary in discipleship we now have 103 people trained and available to meet one-on-one to help others grow in their faith there are 75 life groups for adults meeting on campus and in neighborhoods throughout orange county And last fall, we had our first ever Calvary Goes to Dinner with 23 homes open to build connections as we grew through our Better Together series in Ephesians. Calvary Care Ministries helped people find hope, healing, truth, and grace through areas including counseling, recovery, and support groups. Through our Emergency Needs Fund, 206 requests came in and over $150,000 was given in financial assistance to bring people through challenging seasons of life. And our REACH ministries represent the final 29%, which went out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This helped support 88 missionary families serving in 36 countries. And 211 people from Calvary served on global mission trips in 2015. The life-giving message of Jesus was also shared in many ways here in Orange County. Highlight was the Love Santa Ana initiative serving two at-risk neighborhoods together with nine Santa Ana churches and 700 plus volunteers. The numbers of lives changed continue to add up for ministries like the Alpha Course, Fill the Bus, Job Fair, Thanksgiving Outreach, Angel Tree, and many more. And finally, 2015 was a big year for our church plant partnerships. A prodigal Church launched in Irvine. Iglesia La Puerta began holding services in Santa Ana and our global partnership with Way of Peace is bringing about a church planting movement in Albania. We have been saved by a generous God to be a generous people. And we look forward to all that God will continue to do through Calvary Church as we serve him together.
0: We are blessed by your giving. We are blessed by your generosity. And so as I say what I just said and repeat what hopefully what Paul says, what God says most importantly, it's not to diminish the faithfulness of so many of you and we're thankful for the consequences, the bountifulness of those gifts who sowed abundantly and there was a bountiful reaping of that harvest. Thank you. For the rest who maybe are still working their way to that, we invite you into that and we would love to help develop that. I have some questions as we sing and close out our last worship song. These are questions that are on your outline, but questions on the screen here. And I would invite you to again assess audit, sort of like a spiritual audit. It, based upon the verses that are there in verses nine through 15, these questions force me to make sure that I am investing for eternal purposes. And this is what he invites us into. So we invite you to ask and answer those questions for yourself. You might want to write it on the envelope that's there in the chair rack in front of you. Say, God, this is an area that I want to work on. This is an area that I want to give to. Help me to be fine-tuned in this area. Maybe write that down and say, God, hold me accountable to this because we invite you into that kind of a life that God is honored by our bountiful good words to God gifts. That's what we want. Pre-arranged beforehand, healthy habits, that bring a joyful spirit because I give so willingly for the kingdom of God's work. Let me pray for us. Help us now as we are looking to you for the strength and the guidance and the provision that, God, you're a God of all abundance, all grace, all sufficiency, that we would live a life that actually believes you and takes you at your word. And that, God, our hearts, our lives, our gifts, they would be prearranged, they would have healthy habits of regularity to them, and that, Father, there is great joy and a bountiful good word for you. Thank you for what you have done for 85 years through Calvary Church and what you still seek to do through each of us now today. And We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.